Welcome to episode 141 of the Black in Fashion podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. We are hitting almost the five-year mark, so I'm excited. I am kind of like in awe. Like, I can't believe we've been doing it for five years, but, you know, we're going to continue to put out as much dope content when it comes to black creatives, black education, all of those things that we love is black in fashion. So just want to call to attention, guys, to make sure you are in tune with the self-care designer retreat in Chicago sponsored by the Black in Fashion podcast and make sure you're also sending in your black fashion notes. We want to hear from you. We want to give you advice. We want to know about your your triumphs, your struggles, your anything that you want to share that you think will motivate and inspire someone else. So today I am joined with Kyrie Simon. Hi Kyrie. Hi, how are you? Kyrie is a creative director. And we're going to get a little bit into his background. Um, he is a brander and a storyteller. Um, and he's always looking for new ways of telling stories in fashion, art, and in business through sustainability, diversity, and creativity are at the core of what he does. And he tries to bring that into every project that he does. So I haven't had many creative directors on the on the Black and Fashion podcast. So this is going to be very, very interesting. And I want you guys to make sure you got your notepad out because I'm pretty sure that Kyrie is going to drop some gems when it comes to being a creative director. Now, you know we don't start no podcast without our icebreaker, this or that. So I'm going to name out a couple of things, and you're awesome. going to just tell me which one you prefer over the it, other. Okay? <laughs> Crew next or be next? Crew next. Motorcycle or varsity? Motorcycle. Adidas or Nike? Nike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, snapbacks or fedoras? Snapbacks. Snapback. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. I'm like, I feel like I get fedora. I feel like I get no, from the men I get fedora. A lot of oh, you like to get jazzy. Okay. No, no, no. I love this. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love rapid fire. You're good interview. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so let me just learn a little bit about where you're from. Sure. Um, when you got into like I ain't gonna say when I usually say when did the fashion bug hit you, but I'm gonna say when did the creative bug hit you? Great. Thank you for asking me. Th- number one, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, and congratulations for 141 episodes. Uh, it's been fantastic to have an audacity to realize your vision. Mm-hmm. And so congratulations. Thank you. you know. <laughs> I, uh, I got hit with the bug. I think for the first time, I often at times ask people that because I'm a creative director. I also want to know like how people got started and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think the first time I saw someone do something creative in general was my father. I saw him draw, you know. Okay. My father was a doctor, and, I, and creativity wasn't, as a, in a sense, the forefront in my in our household, but my father drew a horse one time when I was a child, and it was like a magic trick. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, that was a way to get closer to him is learning how to draw, and I, he and I had that knack in the household of being drawing. So my, okay. my parents pushed me into uh, art classes as a child, and then, uh, pretty soon after that, I started, you know, getting plugged into like the MTV era of television and seeing music videos, and oh, yeah. <laughs> that opened up a new world of of creativity in places outside of the suburbs uh, that uh, I looked at as cool and I couldn't describe it. It was like looking at a picture that was out of focus, and I just wanted to dive in there and figure out how to focus it, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, that's when I just figured out any way I could kind of just get into being creative. So I thought at one time I was trying to, I was, one time I was modeling, one time I was trying to style, one time I did window, uh, you know. Visual merchandising? Yeah, merchandising, also the front 
is the windows, the, mm-hmm. the department stores. Oh yeah, visual yeah, 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 all that yeah. stuff like mm-hmm. the, the mannequins and stuff like that. Uh, but even photography, anything. And so I just kind of said, okay, what is like a an overarching world that could belong to? Mm-hmm. And it became creative direction. Uh, even like with graphic design, I taught myself all the design because I just decided, okay, I have to do something. Well, I wanted to be a painter, like everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So did you do school for anything? I do everything self-taught. I went to school and then I self-taught a lot of things, and then I also. That's a great question because I think that when I first was in school, it was about like technique and drawing and painting correctly mm-hmm. or graphic design and certain skills and software. But that the, damn yeah. Adobe Illustrator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I taught myself all of that, you know. I just did trial and error. Mm-hmm. But what was what they didn't teach me was aesthetic and taste, and bringing your own personal point of view. And so that was a lot of that was self-taught through trial and error. A lot of that, like sure. what works for you, what about your personal life you bring into the table, and then quite frankly, what the nerve it takes to say I'm this or I'm that. Like, okay, I'm a graphic designer, and then next step up, I'm an art director. Next step up, I'm a creative director. Like, no one is necessarily going to ask you, hey, little black boy, do you want to? Do you just? Do you feel like you feel fulfilled in your job? Well, uh-huh. maybe you should have it. So it was like, no, I am that. No, I am that. And that takes nerve, at mm-hmm. least for me. I have a, a I have mugs mm-hmm. and I have um, t-shirts. They all say own your place. Yeah. That's exactly, I feel like, what you just described. Like, oh, it says, it actually, they actually say own your place in any room. I have like these sayings for my business and they're all like motivational of like owning your voice and being able to take up space or whatever and to be okay with taking up space and I find that a lot of people in the fashion industry and just in the creative industry as whole, we just so happy to be in the mm-hmm. room that we don't use our voice we just want the seat well, but it's just like how can you be in that seat and not use your well, voice you, you have friends I'm assuming I mean New York is a very inter- interesting place where people say oh I want to be a makeup artist I want to be a painter I want to be well you are saying you are exactly. doesn't mean you're great that just means you might want to do it mm-hmm. you know what I mean and then so at least claiming that you are is half the battle. Yeah, the power of the tongue. Yeah. Manifestation is real, mm-hmm. like really yeah. real. So I want you to tell me about a time, just like in your the projects and your business and stuff like that, where something went bad. And this oh. I have a segment. It's called "Is a Success or Is a Disaster," but I feel like the things that we go through in business and in projects and stuff like that they help us, you know, get better. You know, learn something different. So can you tell me a story like a project that you worked on where? It didn't go the way you had planned, but it made you incorporate something in the way that you do business that you want to share with someone else. Great. I mean, yeah, I think that's a great question because I, I, I don't often try to, try to uh, don't oftentimes visit bad, you know, unsuccessful places. But mm-hmm. they, but a few times I remember when I was doing window displays, mm-hmm. hating it, being nervous about it, anxiety, and I did a display, and then the client called me, and they, you know, there's always a problem. And then you see it, and then like the window, a truck came by, it vibrated the thing, and your window display fell down, and like the knots in my stomach are dealing with that. Maybe just at that point, I think I worked, I think I kind of burned through the knots in my stomach and realized that, hey, you know what? Shit falls down, stuff falls down, <laughs> and you got to pick it back up. And then another thing, when I started moving up the ladder, more in a creative role, I had a company that um, was going to remain nameless, <laughs> sent me to English classes. They were like, you said you, you're not a good speaker and writer of English at really? all. So they sent me to like remedial English classes. It was hum- company? Yeah. And it was like humiliating. 
you know, it's humiliating to be one of the few black people. And then they, it's like, you can't. And then also, I knew a lot about this tech stuff. I, I kind of caught on to a tail end of an email that I wasn't supposed to be copied on. And they were just talking about my, about how smart I was mm -hmm. and stuff like that, how smart I wasn't, really. And so I took those classes, right? Because, I mean, I was embarrassed. I was scared. I was, like, nervous and all this other stuff. I took those classes. I did well. And I'm a hell of a good writer now. I'm mm -hmm. a really good writer. And then one thing that that thing taught me is don't let people, don't let us, people have their own issues mm -hmm. and don't let you be a reason for that issue. But I still took that class and I'm a hell of a writer. I'm a great writer. I'm a great um, introductory person. I can write the heck out of an introduction email to get a lot of things done in life. And up. so that was definitely a situation that I look at it as like, wow, it was humiliating, it was hard, but at the same time, it was racist and microaggressive and totally aggressive and at the same time. Did you quit afterwards? I, eventually. I okay. Did. I, I, I got what I needed. Thank you yeah. for the free class yeah, yeah, that exactly. I didn't have to pay for. Exactly. Uh, and now I'm better and going to be, you exactly. know what? <laughs> exactly. That was before like people were talking about, that was sometimes. before people were talking about, people were woke in the office mm -hmm. just before then. That's know, what's up. So, okay. Yeah. So now tell me about your favorite project and what that did for you. Good question. Um, thank you for asking. My, my favorite project is very personal. Like, uh, at one time I worked for uh, Caring, the parent company for Gucci and mm -hmm. um, Bottega Veneza, Weissa. And after I left that company, uh, I still had some friends who still worked at Bottega. And I said, you know what, I really want to plan a shoot. And so they were so generous about it and they just gave me, like, this is back when the, the director was Thomas Meyer mm -hmm. and his clothing. And they gave me, like, a bunch of his pieces. And I, a buddy of mine went to Maryland and he shot my grandmother. It's just did this editorial, these pictures with my grandmother wearing all this stuff. It wasn't about putting my grandmother in these luxurious spaces, these luxurious clothes, because she, she was luxurious anyway. Right. You know, she was the most luxurious, fantastically stylish person I ever met. Mm -hmm. It was about that being integrated in her world, and it was these very sensitive pictures of her that I always would treasure. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. That just made me think about me doing something like that for my grandmother. <laughs> and I learned how to sew from my grandmother. Uh, she told me she's the reason why I got my creative buzz for right. sure. And I make bags now. They got they got her name all over them. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's what that means. Yeah, my, my yeah my middle name is Kali and my granny's name is Verna. So that's C V. That's me and her. I love that. To the end. And your grandmother's in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Yep. She'll be 80 next year. My yeah. grandmother is one of the strongest. She, she passed away and died uh, a few years ago. And I, like many of my cousins, we were shocked. Mm -hmm. she, was, she was 94. She was, like, super thin. At the time, she wasn't feeling great. I thought that she'd get better. Mm -hmm. But up until that last month, she was a bull, mm -hmm. you know? And so I was shocked. I thought she would sail to 100. Yeah, that's how I feel about my grandmother. Yeah. I feel like she ain't never gonna, ain't nothing ever gonna yeah. happen. She's gonna be here forever. That's in my mind. I yeah. know that that's not the way it's gonna be, but right. also but in my mind, it's sis ain't going nowhere. Well, she's gonna be also, here forever. That's also quite literal because mm -hmm. you haven't had an existence with her on the same plane as you. Right. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I didn't understand that, you know? And then I think that I'll just, I, I know this is not really about her at this moment, but I know that she taught me. I mean, she was not this sweet grandma that was knitting, making mm -hmm. sweaters and cookies for me. I, I, I own businesses. Or hire people, fire people. I learned curse words. I never even heard curse words before until I stayed a summer at a house, mm -hmm. and I didn't even know what it was. And so, like that, so she was like, oh, she was not sweet and cuddly. But she was a businesswoman. Businesswoman. Extremely I like that. not <laughs> sweet, but she taught me a lot. 
Yeah. yeah, I feel like we get different parts from our family and yeah. stuff like that that make us different people. Like, I definitely, <clears throat> I got my creative space from my granny, but mm-hmm. I get a little bit of that business, like, from my dad, but I get, like, my people skills, like, from my mother. And so I think yeah. our family is a huge everything. part of, like, the way we do everything that we yeah. do, you my, know? My mom is my whole sweetness and niceness. My dad is cleverness. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother is meanness. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me about just like some of like your fashion projects, you know, um, I, you talked a little bit about the Carrington one, but like when you're in a creative direction position and let's say you're working with, you know, another creative mm-hmm. team, how hard is it to get people aligned in a creative space? Because that's very difficult when you've got a whole bunch of creatives in one room trying to establish one goal. Mm-hmm. But how do you, I guess manage it out because you would be the creative director of still taking into everyone's opinions or thought process without leaving someone out like how does those projects look when it's like five plus of y'all and everybody is just like no this is better this is better this is better you don't (laughs) it's not a democracy you don't you don't leave like i said i'll say i work i'm a creative director and vice president of a media company now and then prior to that i've worked with several different brands and i do a small french publication called crush fanzine Mm -hmm. crush fanzine and um there is no such thing as a true democracy um, when you are one person in charge. You can listen, you can take your things into account, but you're the boss and you have to be okay with that. And you have to also be okay with right or wrong on the boss. Yes, I'm, this might be a terrible decision. I might be the tackiest person in this room, but guess what, I'm in charge. And guess what, you know, and that's tough because I, we all deal with that because we all want to be nice. We all usually want to be a nicer person, but then you have to, in a certain sense, cut it off, because otherwise you realize you've been talking for too long. Okay. And so, um, but you, I do believe in that people feel heard, no matter what good ideas come from anywhere, bad ideas come from anywhere. So the most senior, coolest person can have the crappiest idea. The person that comes and brings the delivery of the sandwich might have the best idea. Mm-hmm. So that's all, it all doesn't come from your brain. I'm not the smart, you know, you have to expand yourself and hear things and digest things, but then you have to also, I think, I'll, I'll kind of reframe this. I think a creative director is really about editing. You okay. hear a lot of stuff, but you have to sift through to get the, the, the true story out of it. Oh, okay. yeah. That's actually really, like, yeah. profound. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel yeah, like yeah. I struggle with, like, I always want, like, with my team, I'm always like, well, what do you think? Or what do you think? And I've been in, you know, in this place, I'm like, nope. This is law, but I think I'm like that on the operation side. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what it's going to be. But when it comes to the creative aspect of stuff, I, I'm like, okay, what do you think? But then I let them go and do I it. Ask, and then it's like, I, ask, I knew I should have did what, I, I, what I thought in the first place. There's something I thought, <laughs> and I wasn't sure about an edit on a video. And I asked people on my team, like, what do you think? Well, if it's like this, is that a silly idea? I, I think, I'm not trying to say you're a tyrant. Like, I don't think this idea, this Devil Wears Prada, Anna mm-hmm. Wintour, like my job right on the highway mm-hmm. works. I think that, uh, but I do think that people have a lot to offer, but at the same time, I'll, I'll say this, I'm there in certain roles for a reason, and right or wrong, I'm here, you know what I mean? And so I am, I'm the line of what I think this might look like, or might need to be like, or might need to sound like. So I digest, and then I, have, I filter, and then I move on. Gotcha. What does being a black creative mean to you? <laughs> would, a, lot. a lot, you I know. know. I think <laughs> that um, I, I mean, do you curse on your show? I mean, I don't know. You curse oh, on your yeah. show? Oh yeah. I, I think I think that being <laughs> a very black, raw. I, I think being a black creator is just holding your balls all the time. I, I think that. It, I think that it's real. 
as a black person, you know, you understand about dual identity a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we know the sense of like making yourself pleasant to the larger culture, white culture. We know that, right? Yeah. But then you think about in that opinion room when everyone's spitballing ideas. My opinion is valuable because we're not exactly engendered with the same creative know-how as mm-hmm. other. I don't think that black people are necessarily. We can talk about 600 years of slavery and labor and talk about why our brains aren't valued, much less our creative vision. So I think that some cultures and people can look, they can be persnickety. They can say, well, move this here, move this there, move this there, hmm, like that. And they can be persnickety. We are like, we are the mover of that. Right. Like we're the person who lifts and moves and pushes and pulls. Right. We're not the person who has an opinion about it. And I think that that, is, mm. that interrupts the vision that other people have of, 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 of who's going to fulfill that space. So let's say, for example, you're getting your taxes done, right? Mm-hmm. I, or, and let's say you have an idea like, oh my gosh, I'm getting audited, I want my taxes done. Oh, Mrs. Shalonda Jackson is coming in and she has braids and door knockers, right? Mm-hmm. Fabulous tax genius. But is that expectation of that, uh, of that client is like that's going to walk through the door because of our years of oppression and slavery and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think about that in a creative space. I'm black. I'm also say this, and I'm dark skinned. Mm-hmm. To me, in my oh, mind, yeah. it's oh two hell things. yeah, it's definitely so, a difference. Two things. I guess I've been <laughs> fighting that blood for a long time. So it's definitely a difference. If I have this opinionated big mouth that they necessarily feel like listening to, right? That's it. Yeah, I literally have had situations with like certain clients and stuff like that where I would say one thing, but then like. Um, one of my employees would say different, one of my fairer skin, and I'm just like, I just said that, but I guess when I say it, I'm aggressive, or I'm uh, rude in some way, and I've heard that before, and I was just like, no, I'm transparent, and I, I speak with based in my voice, but I speak through my confidence, this is how I talk, you know, and if you have an issue with the way I talk, that's a personal problem, yeah. but I've always spoken in this tone, I've always spoken like this, but I, I've heard it, and I've heard it from white counterparts in the fashion mm. corporate industry, where I'm, you know, directing, like, okay, this is how we're going to do these tech packs to get them sent out to the factory. <laughs> and I had a white counterpart tell me that. Like, she was just like, oh, it's like, you're super aggressive. I'm like, because I'm telling you to do your job? Right. That's well, aggressive? Oh, well, like, it depends. I get, I'm a lot more of, um, I try to understand why people, I, mean, I don't have all day, but at the same time, I start to speak really clearly mm-hmm. with people about stuff. About, you know, I always think people are grown and they want to do the, the best. That's what mm-hmm. I think, which is probably naive. But <laughs> I think that I say to people, you know what, why is this, you know, like, I don't, let's say you're late for something. Mm. I don't even think that should be a conversation about why is it late. All it is, is it's 8 o'clock, I need it. Well, what, what, what is there to talk about? We already established the time that was due. Mm-hmm. What is there really? To talk? I don't understand. I've never been late on an assignment in my entire career. Mm-hmm. So I don't quite understand why you are. Right. And maybe that comes across even more aggressive, but I'm actually literally don't understand. Yeah, I'm asking a question like, like yeah. happened. <laughs> but I can see how, you know, depending on yeah. who's receiving it, and yeah. that's why, like, when I bring people onto a team, I always say, how do you take constructive criticism? Because oh, I'm going to tell you who I am, and this is how the way I'm going to be. The way I speak to you in this interview is the same way I'm going to speak to you if you work here. If you got an issue with constructive criticism, you cannot work here really? because I'm going to be on your ass, especially, like, the first, like, two months, like, getting you into the groove but I need to know how people learn in order to know whether they can handle it on the team you know like this is honest and also I throw out there 
honestly, it's the cutthroat industry. Mm-hmm. And I've worked in this industry for a long time, and I am nothing compared to the shit that I've been through. Exactly. I am one of the nicest bosses. I actually care about your right. opinion, but I am going to make sure that I am transparent and authentic in whatever I say to you, but I also, I hold y'all, I'm going to hold you accountable. I pay you, you do your job, I'm going to hold you accountable. One thing I would, to teams I've been boss of, man, been a creative director of, is that I try to be that fair guy. I've had crappy bosses. I've had abuses by bosses. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of things like that. And so I try to learn from that and not, not visit that upon other people, ever. I try to be like, I encourage their growth. I encourage their growth outside of the company. If they're not happy, I'm like, listen, kid, it's a big wide world out here. Right. You should really not be here. Then. <laughs> you know, how can I help you? You know, I'm not like, but at the same time, I oftentimes wonder, which I've never asked, have you ever worked for a black person? Because that is a different, even to other black people, it's a different animal. Because mm-hmm. my expectation, let's say, for I'm example. I'm going to add that to my interview <laughs> questions when I bring people I, on. I think that. <laughs> Let's say you put a deck together and it's a little half-assy or it's a misspelling. For me, I cannot pass along a misspelled thing. I can't be late on it because I look. At least maybe it's the pressure. Maybe I'm all messed up. Maybe it's baggage. Who knows? Either way, you are a full black person. This is what I think. And so I think that that makes this, um, our, our, our engagement a little bit more familiar like I'm very like I think I can be very familiar but also don't be thinking with homies that's almost <laughs> also very sensitive too because I I'm the black guy that. don't think I'm the yeah, cool guy I messed up in that yeah. realm in my business with like trying to be too like like friendly I'm not now mm-hmm. but I had to go through it in order for me to fix that but I think I tried to be there for instance no, I said too. from the beginning I said no I'm a really I, I might look cool but I'm a real big nerd so like it's nine to five it is due at eight o'clock it is um if there's a question that comes to me about bending the rules, it's going to be no. You know, like, if it makes it up to me, it's going to be no. So I kind of set that. I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means. Yeah. But I just say, like, you know, I'm not your homie. I'm, I can't. Because I, I also oftentimes think that um, black people are given this casualness of, like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a cool guy. I, I believe me, I, I can laugh and joke with a lot of people but at the same time y'all, you're not going to play me out or play me out and I don't have a job I hear that I hear that so before we wrap up I have my last segment it's called it's me so mm-hmm. I want you to share it could be a mantra a quote an affirmation a prayer mm-hmm. a book anything that you just want to give to another creative that just helps you keep going oh, something that good. continues to keep you moving and pushing through well, even when you face with obstacles one thing I, oh, someone taught me a long time ago is life is about which bridges to cross and which bridges to burn. And I like that a lot. Which bridges to cross, which bridges to burn. And I do a morning mantra. Sometimes I get anxiety, you know. I don't know why. You know, I just think it's my chemicals in my brain or something. I'm not nervous, but I get anxiety. And I tell myself, okay, you are not only that you are enough, there is a Kyrie-sized solution to this problem. So you know how the roadrunner like runs through a wall and like his body is in the shape of it? Yeah. That's the puzzle piece that's gonna fix that. That you know what I'm saying? And so you are exactly what it takes to see on the other side of that. And no one else can. So don't even sweat it. Know what bridges to cross, know what bridges to burn. Yeah. And there's a there's a Kyrie size. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. size 
solution to a problem. Absolutely. I love that. Sure. Okay. So I just want to throw out like your how people can get in contact with sure. you, work with you, all your social handles and stuff. So we're going to find, of course, we'll have all of this information in the show notes <laughs> as well. Awesome. Um, just slide into my DMs on Insta Kyrie, K H A R Y underscore S I M O N. I'm always, people reach out to me all the time and say hi or talk about their work. So that's totally cool. And, uh, and that's the best way. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) I appreciate you for coming on the show. Any projects or any events or anything coming out that you want to promote? Well, thank you. Um, I have a short documentary coming out that is called The Awkward Pause. It's about readdressing the uh, toxic toxic narratives in the fashion industry and beauty industry. I also am having a new publication for my fall. Uh, My publication, Crush Magazine, we have a fall issue coming out. We were printed in Paris, France and the U.S. Nice. And lastly, uh, I will be doing a speaker series that we did one already, but I'll be continuing. And Dumbo with. House? Uh, yeah, well, Dumbo House is okay. the first one. Yes. <laughs> and then we're doing another one uh, coming up in the uh, late summer, early fall. Nice. Right. Okay, well, good. Well, you guys heard it. You know how to reach them. You also know all of the upcoming events. And, of course, we'll put all this information in the show notes as well. And as I always say, people, stay black. Peace out. <laughs>